Welcome to Season 8 of the Disciple Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stovall. Thanks so much for tuning in today, guys. Today you're in for a special treat because our point leader, Bobby Harrington, had the privilege of interviewing Neil Anderson. And if you don't know who that is, Neil has written many, many best-selling books about spiritual freedom. He's an incredible person and just the depth of knowledge that I think that you're going to gain a lot from in this episode. And once again, this was taken straight from one of our Q&A sessions that we host inside the Discipleship.org Collective. And if you want to know what that is, you can go to Discipleship.org slash Collective and sign up for free today and start taking advantage of all the tools and resources that we have there to help you along your journey of making disciples. So here we go. Let's jump in. Bobby Harrington and Neil Anderson. Well, hi, everybody. My name is Bobby Harrington. I am privileged to be the point leader at discipleship.org. And I'm very excited about my guest today. For this, our first uh, question and answer, we'll be doing this, God willing, every Tuesday. And uh, my first guest is a very special guest. His name is Neil Anderson. He's the author of many books, uh, and he is also the founder of Freedom in Christ Ministries. So, Neil, it's election day. You want to bring your greeting to everybody? <laughs> well, uh, hello, everybody. And if you're conservative, go vote. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to show my bias here too much to begin with, but uh, uh, I, I'm just <clears throat> praying like everybody else is that righteousness will prevail. Yeah. Well, let's just go ahead and jump in with that question, Neil. Uh, one of the things that I think is really true of our culture it's probably, well, I know it's always been true, but it just seems to be more true today than ever before that those who are followers of Jesus need to be about making disciples, not just converts or not just church members, but true disciples. And uh, tell us how you feel about that and why it's so important in our time. Well, it's a great commandment, great commission. I mean, you know, you can't overlook it, going all the world to make disciples. And everybody knows it's not converts, it's actually disciples, people who can reproduce themselves. And um, that's always been the mandate of the church. I mean, it's, it's it's amazing how you have to keep going back and refreshing ourselves with that. And yet the church has a tendency to just fall back into offer a little program every Sunday morning. And uh, and we're, we're kind of missing it. And we, and, we, and we just keep missing it. And then we get, oh, gosh, we got to have some big event. So let's fill a stadium. But that's not the way to do it, and it never has been. I said, you know, over the years, if we would just learn the principle, if you just saw one person, built your life into them and God's life into them for about six months, and then that person doubled and you did that, you'd have five million people in a month, in a year's time or two years' time, in, or 30 days' time, I'm sorry. But it, we just keep avoiding that, and I'm not sure why that is. Maybe we just don't have in-depth relationships with each other or see the necessity of that for that matter. And right. uh, so, uh, you know, we're, we're being forced into it right now, Bobby. Doing church isn't going to work. I, I just uh, spent mega time with a guy that came up from Costa Rica, just discovered our material and is all excited about it, set an appointment to help him resolve his issues. And I said, afterwards, I said, you've been doing church for 30 years. Now you're going to do life. Hmm. And he got it. He understood that. And uh, it's very easy to keep going through the motions. 
But I think God is forcing this on us on the church today that we have to rethink church, what we're doing, what God has called us to, because what we're doing isn't having any kind of an effect globally at all anymore. And yeah. we simply have to go back to do what our mandate is, make disciples. So uh, I want to encourage everybody in the chat box. I know I have a couple of questions here. Just want to encourage everyone to put your questions in the chat box and Neil and I are going to do our best to get to them. And we'll do this every week with, with different guests. We want it to be your questions. So Josh Purcell has this question, Neil. It's what connection do you see between spiritual warfare and making disciples? Well, it's critical. The whole Bible is uh, presents a world that's that a conflict between two kingdoms, in the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God's beloved son, between the Christ and the Antichrist, false prophets, true prophets, spirit of God, false spirits. I mean, you know, so I'm, that's the battle. It started in the garden and, and it continues on in the book of Revelation. So we're all in that battle, whether we like it or not. So you can't avoid this. I mean, it's just, it, it's not our the focus is just reality of the world around us. I said, the focus is Christ. The focus is knowing who you are, what it really means to be a child of God. And once that's established, you realize that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And so what you really have to strive for, and I keep saying this again and again, is that you've got to have a holistic worldview, a biblical worldview. And if you don't have it, if you're just thinking all my problems are psychological, it's never going to be complete. If you think it's all spiritual, that's never going to be complete. Um, I, I think you've got a whole God who deals with all reality all the time. And, and we have to take that into account. I, I think a bigger question right now is, what is God doing? I mean, it's, I mean you know, I, I, we have to ask that question. And um, about two months ago, I just felt such a burden for the world, you know, what can a little ministry like mine do? What can we do? We got to have some contribution. And then I re remembered uh, a book that I wrote probably about seven, eight years ago. And I gave it to a local ministry and it kind of sat on the shelf and nobody did anything with it. And really what it is, is an expansion of our steps to freedom. And uh, it explains it more. And I've been telling people, if you want to go through this on your own, you know, use that because it explains it more. And, and so we just decided to give it away. And, um, and I made a series of little videos with it, restored in the pandemic, restored in the second coming of Christ, restored in, uh, in, in mental health. You realize right now the whole globe is, is struggling with mental health issues of depression and anxiety and fear and, and, um, and that and, and everybody's turning into booze or something like that now. I said, and so the recovery movements, at the epidemic, uh, the, um, Drug epidemic is even worse than it's ever been before, and anger is, is everywhere. I mean, we're talking on election day. What's going to happen tonight? I mean, there is a, a bucket load of anger out there. And I said, so where do you start with all those things? Where does the church start? Bobby, with repentance. Let me illustrate that. Everybody knows Second Chronicles chapter 7, you know, that uh, if my people, I said, Almost nobody, I've been asking recently, knows the context of that. It's the dedication of the temple. Keep in mind that our bodies are the temple of God. But if you go back one chapter and read the dedication of the temple and you kind of scratch your head, and I, I said, that doesn't sound anything like a dedication. Um, Solomon at that time, he keeps asking God 
you know, when we stray and, uh, and you discipline us and we call upon heaven, will you answer? And God's going to send armies to defeat us. He's going to set pestilence and all that kind of stuff. And he finally answers in the next chapter. He said, if I send that stuff, if I send pestilence among you, hmm. folks, do we have a pestilence among us right now? Then it says, if my people will pray, humble themselves and seek my face. And, uh, and I said, you got to see the context. And yeah. when you understand that, I said, where does the church start? It, has, it starts here. It starts with us. Judgment begins with us. It starts with repentance. And we have to have a way. And that's how you start discipleship. You, you can't bypass that. And here again, the church does. We just have a prayer, say this prayer, come forward, and all of a sudden you're a disciple. Come listen to me Sunday morning, and I'll teach you. And, and folks, that ain't going to work. Yeah. I mean, you've got to have a way to clean house. And yeah. once you clean house, then you can move on. Yeah, we, we both, you and I, would agree that the traditional way of calling people to conversion is, is actually not biblical. You know, Neil, in Eastern Europe, I my wife and I had an opportunity to visit a seminary in Vienna that I spoke at about a year and a half ago. And it was so interesting to listen to all these believers in the formerly communist countries of the Soviet Union. Uh, they, when they talk about conversion, they don't say so-and-so became a Christian or they say so-and-so repented. Like the, their their definition of conversion is repentance, and of course, true repentance is not just turning away; it's turning to the life of being a disciple. Let me get to the next question in the the chat. Bobby, box. let me just comment on something because repentance for some people is almost like a negative concept. I said that couldn't be further from the truth. We're trying to be God's trying to restore us. And the means by which you are restored is repentance. It's not like God is going to take away all my toys and all my fun. Just the opposite is going to bring you joy and and peace and patience if we would simply repent. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. It's his goodness that leads us to repentance, the Bible says. So, Neil, uh, Chad Ramsey has a question. Here's his question. Uh, We are starting D groups out of small groups. So, uh, this may be a question that I'll, I'll start with and then let you jump in, Neil. He says, any suggestions on how to get people plugged into a group who don't already have a group of people to connect with? So, Chad, uh, I think what you're asking is how do you get people? First of all, uh, a small group is typically the size of 12 to 16. Um, a lot of people like the book Discipleship That Fits. There's a free download in the discipleship.org ebooks, if you want to do that, and you can look at this. We see in the life of Jesus five types of discipling relationships. So there was Jesus with the Father, Jesus with the Father empowered by the Holy Spirit, Jesus with Peter, James, and John, sometimes Andrew, then Jesus with the 12, then Jesus with the 72, and then Jesus with, with the crowds. These are five different types of discipling relationships. Chad, I don't mean to be putting something on you that you may not be saying, but typically um, if you are discipling people in a small group, the small group is too big to get into some of the more nitty-gritty details of discipling somebody. So oftentimes what people do is out of a small group, you'll form a a transparent group, which is typically uh, anywhere from two 
to five total people out of that small group. And they're typically same gender. So it's men with men, women with women. Guys will talk about things like pornography and maybe their marriage problems. Likewise, women, when they come out of it, will form a group and they're more likely to talk about codependency or problems with their husbands and this kind of stuff. And so the transparent space group is typically where repentance and uh, devotion to Christ, where you get down more to brass tacks. So the question then, having given that context, is any suggestions on how to get people plugged into a group for that? Here's what I have found, Chad. Uh, I have found that once you explain that it's going to be a group that's really transparent and uh, there's just a small number of the same gender, uh, people, people will be the pathway to get into a group like that. So my encouragement to everybody is you start with that. There is a download on renew.org. It's called How to Start a Transparency Group. It's a free ebook. Just go to renew, R-E-N-E-W.org, and it'll tell you how to start that group. So, Neil, back to you. How would you answer that question from Chad? Well, uh, I, I always begin with a one-on-one relationship. I want to sit down with a person, hear their story, and help them get out of their junk, take them through a genuine repentance process, which is our book, Restored, or our simpler message is a step. By, by the way, life. Neil, as you're mentioning resources, people can find these resources at Freedom in Christ Ministries, correct? Yeah, FICM.org, correct. FICM.org, okay. Yeah, yeah keep going, Neil. Yeah, that book is free. It's a, it, We're going to let mission groups, churches around the world, and as soon as we posted it up, we had a, a thousand downloads of it. It's a free book. And uh, I'll never know, you know, how God uses it around the world, but I'm kind of excited about that. It's also in Spanish, and I've talked to several Spanish uh, groups about it. It's, uh, But if you start there and just one-on-one, you, you get beyond the embarrassment issue uh, for people in a group. If you get into a group, and there's a group of people, and one guy's struggling with pornography and has never dealt with it, he's not going to bring it up. <laughs> you know, they're not going to bring it up in a group. They don't trust people with that kind of information. But what if you got them out of that junk and got them in a group? Now watch them grow. I've just seen this over and over and over again around the world, not just here. But if you're hiding something and you go into a small group, it's a very unusual person usually a desperate person that would suddenly say, you know, I'm compulsively masturbating or I'm deeply in depression or I'm struggling with fear and can barely leave my house and and that kind of thing. I said, there's got to be a different means to get them out of that kind of junk. And then when you put them in a group, let me illustrate it. If a guy is struggling with alcohol, he's going to keep that hidden until he's caught. And then he goes through some intervention and, and suddenly he goes through. Now, after that, He's in the group, an AA or some recovery group. Is he transparent? Sure, game's over. In fact, I used to have my students at the seminary go visit one of those groups, and almost everyone come back and said, man, if I could get my people at church to be as honest as that group was, I would really have something. Yeah. But learn from that. I mean, just think about that for a moment. Why can't we enter church? Because they have, haven't been discovered yet. They haven't had their, their, their sins exposed yet. But if you had another way to get them out of that kind of stuff and a one-on-one relationship where confidentiality is assured and, and you're not just hearing the story, but you're actually resolving the issue, then 
watch them in that kind of a group. You know, one of the, the joys of our ministry is we keep training people to do this. And, uh, and the most joyful group they've ever been in their life is when they go through our practicum. They've all heard their stories. They've all found their freedom. And, and my, they're willing to talk about anything. Yeah, and uh, go on around the world. So, you know, it, you can't do that in a large group. You've got to do that, get it down small, and then watch them multiply once they're free in Christ. Well, uh, Chad did follow up. Here's what he said. <clears throat> Let me be more clear. We are doing that. In other words, they're breaking people into the what we call transformation size, which, again, it's anywhere from two to five people. Uh, we're doing that, but we have some people – have a hard time fitting in with others, but they want to be in a trans- transparent or transforming group. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to answer that and then turn it back to you again, Neil. I think if people want to be in those groups, the key thing is you've got to have a good leader. Uh, in my experience, without a good leader, uh, it's not wise to, smarter, to start a group. Now, I'm not talking about somebody who has a Master of Divinity, a seminary degree, I'm just talking about somebody uh, who matches the profile. We call it of uh, FATSO, faithful, available, teachable, uh, sendable, and obedient. They're willing to be sent out. They're faithful people. They're obedient to Christ, and they're willing to try to start a group. Again, that uh, resource at renew.org, how to start a transparency group. I think anybody can start one of those groups um, if they're really committed to Jesus and they don't have to have their whole life cleaned up yet. The, the process will help you to get your life cleaned up. Neil, back to you on that. Well, I think I've already shared my concept on that. Yeah, so. I think that's right. Let's go to the next question then. Josh Purcell says, how do we help someone we are discipling that seems to be under spiritual attack? Well. <laughs> go ahead, Neil. <laughs> get them off from underneath the spiritual attack. You know, our whole process, you know my ministry, Bobby, is to yeah, help Yeah, tell everybody, as though, hey, Neil, uh, describe it for those that don't know your ministry. Somebody's under spiritual attack. Uh, just go to nuts and bolts here. What do we do? Well, it's 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26 is very clear. Let's, Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, able to teach, pay for the wrong, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, having escaped the snare of the devil, having been held captive to do his will. And so that's the kind of people we're dealing with all the time. And, and the requirements are Lord's bondservant, somebody who's really personally dependent upon God themselves, not quarrelsome, kind, able to teach because truth sets people free. But it's God who grants repentance. And so you got to help this person resolve their personal and their spiritual conflicts. And that's going to, going to happen through repentance. And when that happens, they're free in Christ. And suddenly, in our experience, they have a peace of God passing on understanding, guarding their heart and their mind in Christ Jesus. But until that's resolved, they're just sitting in there struggling. They're paying attention to deceiving spirits. They have no mental peace. And I said, how simple is this? If we got out of that, found that peace, then all these groups are going to start working. But if you got a bunch of people who have no mental peace sitting in a group, what are they sharing? I mean, you know, <laughs> it's just conflict is all it is. Yeah. yeah. Just for everybody who's watching us, let me um, uh, take what Neil's saying and try to make it very black and white for you. 
one of the things that Neil's an expert in is helping people to go through a process. It's called Steps to Freedom. And uh, uh, all you do is do a Google search, Neil Anderson, Steps to Freedom, and you'll see lots of material on this. But what Neil does is he has people to identify their sins and their sin patterns and then um, bring them to the Lord to repent of them and by repentance and prayer break any demonic foothold uh, that might be established around those sins and by claiming the victory of Christ over that then through prayer and intercession and commitment uh, trusting the Holy Spirit to give a person freedom. So that would be my brief uh, description. Again, Neil, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I do. I want to add God to it. Uh, we don't point out sin in people's lives. We connect them with God. We let them ask God, and, and as God, when the conviction comes from God, the power to change comes with it. And uh, when you bring God into the process like that, because what we're doing is just an encounter with God. He's the only one who can set that person free. He's the only one who can heal the wounds of the brokenhearted. If they're just coming to see me, you know, I'm not building my life into you. I'm building the life of Christ or trying to help you encounter that life with God himself. So he's the wonderful counselor. I'm not. And uh, and so I think that's uh, something that's been left out uh, of so many of these things. I mean, most groups are pooling people's ignorance, and that ain't going to get anything done. And so if you get into that small group where people are really dependent upon God and inquire of him and let the Holy Spirit lead us into all truth, and that truth will set us free. So I don't point out sins in anybody's life. I find that to be totally counterproductive. Uh, I may ask some questions and saying, but what I would try to do at the very beginning is to bring God into this process. And it's not my prayer. It's really their prayer that's going to happen. When I always sit with somebody individually, I said, What's going to happen here today is not what I do. It's what you do. It's not what I believe. It's what you believe. And so I'm just going to give God an opportunity to have a, you know, a loving confrontation with this person. It's his child I'm dealing with. He's his father. So I'm just connecting people to God is what we're doing. No, that's good. And really, at the end of the day, um, what God wants for us is he wants a close relationship with each of us. And an it's, intimate one. Yes. It's, it's bringing our sins and our brokenness to a merciful God who does call us to repent, but is merciful to us in our sin and weakness and uh, wants us to know that our identity uh, as children of God, our identity is that we're in Christ. He removes our sin, but he calls us to be obedient. Bobby, Um, that's the foundational thing here. I I mean, if if we don't know who we are in Christ, if we don't understand what it means to be a child of God, which is true of every defeated Christian I have dealt with all around the world, I said, we're just stuck right there. Yeah. This is not a small thing. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And you have no clue who your father is or who you are as his child. You know, you've got to begin there somewhere along the line because, you know, you can't. No person can consistently behave in a way that's inconsistent with what they believe about themselves. Yeah, and so to believe that we're forgiven, we're in Christ, we're the redeemed, we're the holy ones of God, that we're blessed in the heavenly realms. I mean, you know, you've, you've created these uh, bookmarks and things like that. 
to help people wrap their minds around that. Hey, let me ask everybody to be typing in questions uh, again, because we want to get to your questions on these things. So uh, just to put a punctuation on what you just said, Neil, it has to be our identity. Who we uh, become should be a function of our identity in Christ. We want to grow up and live into that which we have already received. Yeah, Paul's whole process of growth is to be firmly rooted in Christ in order that you may grow in Christ, in order that you may live in Christ. And being in Christ simply means your soul is in union with God. Uh, I think salvation is kind of misunderstood in our present day world today, but the early church, they would just call it union with God. Yeah. That uh, what Adam and Eve lost in the fall was life, and that's what Jesus came to give us. So you're trying to disciple somebody who isn't alive. That's not going to work. you got to have the life of God. You're not going to grow without that life. Yeah. Nothing grows without life. And, yeah. and that's what Jesus came to give us, that resurrected life within us. That's good. Uh, Josh Purcell has another question here. Uh, if we are planning and praying to start the first discipleship group or the first discipleship type group in our church, who would be the right kind of people to have in the first group? Um, in hopes that the method will be received well. So, Neil, if you're if you're getting somebody in a group, who are you going to do that? Who are you going to start it with? <laughs> I, if I had my preference, I would start with a pastor and all of your leadership team. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to offend anybody here, but our overwhelming experience over the years is that many of our leaders and pastors aren't free in Christ. No, that's right. I mean, they're not. And if you don't start there, the congregation can't rise above its leadership. And so if you don't have a, a, a pastoral staff and hopefully a board who isn't free and don't know who they are in Christ, you're, you're, you're just going to be treading water. You're going to be doing discipleship almost outside of the church. And until they, you know, get on board with you. So start there and then let it go from there. But if you want to have a program that multiplies itself, then don't start with the weakest link. Start with your strongest link. Yeah, yes. Because everything after that is only as strong as the weakest link. I want to take a quick break and tell you about something cool happening over at Discipleship.org. It's our Discipleship.org collective. It's an online community for disciples and disciple makers. And if you fit in either one of those categories, then the collective is designed just for you. The website itself is super cool because it's basically like stepping into a virtual church building with a welcome center, an auditorium for our main events, and even classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective with all of its webinars, seminars, ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you personally or for your whole church. And this is a community, so you can also have the opportunity to connect with other disciple makers. And while membership is free, there's also a premium access option, which includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So head on over to discipleship.org collective and sign up for your free membership today. You know, what Neil's saying is that if you really want this to become embedded in a church, of course, you got to start with the opinion leaders in that church. One of the things that we find at discipleship.org is a lot of times we have people who are really hungry to 
um, to be disciple makers, and the leaders in their church aren't doing it. And so what we encourage them is, and I'm encouraging each of you who are joining us today, don't wait on your pastor or your elders or your lead minister to start it. Uh, You can start it today. And uh, maybe the best thing you could do is to get a couple of people in a discipling group with you and uh, ask God to bless that, learn about that. Uh, We actually have a course I'm going to talk to you about in just a minute where you can learn more about that. And, uh, And then you can be what you want the leaders in your church to be. And the more you're doing that and showing the fruit, then they're more likely to say, okay, I'd like to do that as well. Uh, Another question here from uh, one of the guests. uh, Along the lines of identity in Christ, it says, our church of 11,000 has done a tremendous job of getting people into heaven, but they're lacking in getting heaven into people. Good line. As a new discipleship pastor for this church, where do I start? We have 600 small groups working. Is that the path to start with? There you go, Neil. (laughs) Well, uh, if you got small groups going, why not use our discipleship course? You know, that's being used all over the world. It started out years ago of me doing a conference, trying to equip the church all over the world. And and now it's in about its third edition. But that's where we encourage churches to start. Get them connected to God. You know, the, the material in it basically starts with the, the fall, it starts with repentance, it starts with uh, you knowing who you are in Christ and the battle for your mind and how to walk by faith, etc. But it gives them a chance to go through the steps to freedom. Nobody's embarrassed. Uh, I mean, you know, they, it's a group process that they go through. And, uh, and once they get out of that, then almost any program will work after that. But if they're not free, if they're locked in bitterness and they've got 10 people they need to forgive, I don't care what you're doing. They're not going to move on. Yeah. Those they kind can't of move on if you're holding bitterness in your heart towards people. You're dead. Yeah. You're dead in the water. So, Neil, let's talk about this for a second because I think we want to carefully delineate something here. Now, I'm going to state it in my own personal terms, and then I'd like you to interact with me on it. So here's what I want to state up front. I, I want to state that uh, over 90%, over probably over 95%, of all small groups and churches are not about disciple-making. They're, they're about fellowship. They're about relationships. But um, they're not about disciple-making. And to have groups, small groups, that are going to be about disciple-making, there's three things that you have to do right up front. The first thing is the person leading the small group has to be won over that their role, that their ministry, that what they're actually doing is discipling the people in their group. That leads to the second thing, is they need to understand what it is to disciple the people in your group. And if you're leading a group and you don't think I'm discipling them, and number two, you don't know how to disciple them, like you don't know what that means, then that leads to number three, you need tools by which you disciple them. So um, it's very easy today for pastors and ministers to think that people are being discipled when in fact they're not being discipled. You're just, you're just, they're just having fellowship, but they're not growing as obedient disciples of Jesus. So again, Neil, I'm going to turn that to you. You know, uh, when I was uh, early on in ministry, I was a minister of adult education in a large Baptist church. 
and uh, and everything at that time was Sunday school. You know, we go to Sunday school and go to church, and and um, I started a, kind of a school of evangelism. I chose uh, very carefully eighteen people, challenged the socks off, and work work one year with me. And uh, we used master plan of evangelism, designed for discipleship, and uh, and that year it was just incredible. Uh, we went out two by two, and we took uh, visitors to our church. And uh, about the time we were going to double, so did the attendings of the church. We took on 280 new members that year, and uh, and almost all of them were new converts. It was a, it was an incredible experience and, of my own personal life. Robert the, Coleman's, the, you use Robert Coleman's master plan of evangelism. Yep. Yeah. But, By the but, way, uh, uh, again, for everybody watching, that's a free we, – we just want to give you resources, especially free resources, because we want to help you to be disciples and make disciples. So the um, we have a summary of Robert Coleman's book, uh, discipleship.org. If you'll go to our ebooks, you can download for free a summary of that book Neil's talking about. All right. Anyway, back me, to you, Neil. Let me say why I was giving that example. All the Sunday school classes that I taught and all the Sunday classes at the church, nowhere near had the fruit and the growth in people's lives. And that wasn't even our focus. It was because they had to go out. They had to put it into practice. Then they're coming back and asking, I got to ask this. How do I answer this? And that was such a learning experience for me, not only in terms of the field is wet on the harvest, and we weren't really going after them like we should, but I got out of the church during that time. And I watched these people grow in, in, in a way I never saw in a Sunday school class, ever. Yes. And that was life-changing for me personally about discipleship at the time because I was Christian education. We were going to have Sunday schools. It was all Sunday schools. Don't do away with the Sunday school. It's a learning experience. But I said, in that particular one, the one-on-one, -on -one, actually calling on, talking people, getting down the nitty-gritty, you know, if you died today, do you know where you spend eternity? <laughs> And so I think that launched me and my own personal thinking to a whole different dimension in terms of what do we do in this church and how do we actually help people? And somewhere along the line, you have to put that faith into action. And if you don't, you're just sitting there getting information. And yeah, we, we, we do a contrast at discipleship.org between educational discipleship, which often when people talk about discipleship, they're talking about Bible doctrine, Bible education. So we delineate between educational discipleship and relational discipleship. And uh, I think that's what you're saying, Neil. It's in the context of relationships. That's how Jesus did it. That's how Paul did it. Just read, you know, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy. It's in the context of life-on-life -life relationships that you help people to be disciples of Jesus. You help them repent of sin. You help them to understand the teachings of God. Education is a part of it, but so is coaching, so is mentoring, so is shared experience. So is uh, imitation of your life. Like Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So uh, very much Jesus' method of disciple-making is relationship versus a strict focus on education. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, I have another quest question here uh, from guest 1790. Um, what is the best indicator that someone in my, looks like L team, is in need of steps to freedom? probably my leadership team, maybe going back to your comment, Neil, about a lot of times the leaders of the church aren't in a very good spot. Well, uh, I've never, if, if people haven't had some kind of a repentance process, then everybody needs to, you know, there's, I, I've never seen anybody who doesn't need this. 
I, I mean, I can't think of one person with ears. I have led missionaries, pastors through these steps to freedom. Every one of them has had 10 people that need to forgive. Every one of them has struggled with issues. And so it really starts with us. It always had the, you know, if, if God is bringing discipline on the whole world today and he's sending this pestilence among our people, it really behooves not some, all. Judgment begins in the household of God. And yeah. if it begins there, it begins at the hierarchy. It begins in the leadership. Yeah, that's and you've got Peter a lot right of cocky there. leaders today say, I don't need that. I beg to differ with that. You, know, If yeah. you talk to anybody, any pastor that's gone through our material, they'll tell you every one of them says, we all need this. Yeah. Well, the truth of the matter is that repentance is not a one and done. Repentance is a daily thing that we have to learn to really own our sins, confess our sins, you know, um, and deal with them. Uh, one of the things I love about Celebrate Recovery and 12-step <clears throat> movement is uh, when we are prompt, when the, the uh, step, when we are wrong, we promptly admit it, that uh, repentance is just simply a way of life. Okay, I have another question. Uh, how soon does the head knowledge have to become action or it becomes lost? Well, the study has been done over the years to say if you hear something a week later at church, you'll retain 10%. If you see it, it's about 20%. If you hear see and do it, your retention is about 90%. So actually enough said. You, you know, that's that's like Philippians 4. We all know, you know, being for nothing but prayer and supplication, let your request be known to God. And so you turn to God, but that's not enough because then the next verse says, think upon these things, but that's not enough. The next verse says, put it into practice. So yeah. do the right thing, do the lovely thing, do the pure thing. That's the only way you learn. If yeah. you just turn to God and say, God, fix my problem, that's not going to be enough. You've got to take your responsibility <clears throat> to think upon that, which is true. And then you have to do the right thing, the loving thing, the pure thing. It's so interesting, Neil. In uh, When the Israelites were coming into the promised land, they came up to the River Jordan. It wasn't until they stepped into the River Jordan that, that the, the water, water stopped. Down. Absolutely. And that's really the way life is, right? Absolutely. Uh, it's obedience. Uh, at uh, discipleship.org, we call it obedience-based disciple-making. You know, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly right. Um, so uh, another question here in the chat box. And by the way, uh, Dave, in just a minute, I'm going to get you to show the uh, uh, introduction to our disciple-making intensives, uh, the, the master class. But uh, Chad has a question. He says, how many small groups, transparency groups, should our staff leaders be a part of? So uh, I'd like to answer that after you, Neil. I'd, I'd like to take a kick at that question, too. Well, I, that is such a mixed question because sometimes the, the staff is almost where you start with. They're all so bogged down with programs. They almost, and, and if they haven't bought into the ideology of it, Actually, some key lay people are almost more, you know, functional than some pastors are. So, yeah. you, you know, I don't know the mindset of the leadership of the church. If you've got, you know, a really disciple-making type of a church, then the pastor starts by modeling himself. He's got one or two people he's working with, and all of the staff do too, plus, you know, the others. And so, it, it uh, one of the most effective men in our board right now, it's, it's uh, one of our board members, I meet with him every week. And uh, he never got this in church, and he didn't wait for the pastor. He just went out on his own 
and he's been making disciples for the last 20 years with our material. Yeah. And he would try to get the church and, you know, on board, but he said, I can't wait for him. And neither did Jesus. If, if, if you got a church that resembles the Sanhedrin, you better go to Galilee or you're not going to get anything done. Yeah. I, I think that that's a good word. Let me tell you what I've learned because, uh, since, uh, well, for at least 10 years, I've been working with church leaders trying to shift their churches to a disciple-making focus. Uh, had the privilege to start, uh, to help start a couple of networks. And here's the reality is, and this is very frustrating uh, for many people. If you're in a church and the senior minister, the lead pastor is not personally making disciples, it's very hard for that church to ever change. Because, uh, you know, Jim Putman always says, as the head goes, the body will follow. And uh, people, they need to see it as well as hear it uh, from the senior leadership of the church that I have to be about making disciples. Um, you know, and it, it uh, being about it helps me to share it. So, Neil, I was in a group last night with uh, one of our elders is leading a group, and my wife and I are in a part of the group because uh, – we just needed to be in a group in this case that I wasn't like leading everything. It was so great because last night he's just been persistent. He's been persistent. And uh, one of the guys who hadn't been really engaged, he came, we uh, met around the fire, just the guys who were in the group last night. It was fantastic in terms of a breakthrough, in terms of being disciples and Matthew making Banks. disciples. And so it was just super encouraging. But here's, let me just say this to everybody watching. If you are the, the lead pastor of your church, it's so important that you got to be what you want others to be uh, before you talk to them about being it. So you got to start discipling people. Um, if you're in a church where you're in charge of a ministry, you may not be the lead guy. Again, you need to start making disciples. You need to get a group of people in that ministry where you're making disciples. And if you're joining this question and answer period and you're just a part of a church, you can still start a group. Anybody and everybody can start a group. And that is always going to be the first and most important place to begin. Now, when you're doing that, back to Chad's question, here's my opinion about your question, Chad. I wouldn't be in more than two groups if I'm uh, in a leadership, uh, if I'm in a staff position in church. The reason that I wouldn't is because I want to make sure that those I'm discipling, that I have time for them, and I'm not just, you know, showing up and uh, filling in the blank. I want to, like, invest in them. So what we teach people is that you need to be identify who your three are and who your 12 are. Everybody who's privileged to be on staff in a church and needs to be able to enumerate who your three are and who your 12 are. So I hope that that's helpful. Um, Dave, we're going to do one more question, then if I can get you to show that video. This is from guest 5993. By the way, keep the questions coming. We love it. Would you suggest teaching Steps to Freedom to a small group, then individually go through the prayers, uh, uh, which evidently he learned it with two prayer partners, uh, or uh, just how would you do that, and especially – I'm just uh, summarizing this question, Neil. Would you have them go through a group and then work through the prayers individually? And uh, would you do it on a Zoom uh, format if that was really – does it work on Zoom? Well, that's a good question. Uh, 
the ideal thing is is to have a one-on-one appointment with people. So confidentiality is there. People feel safer with that across. When you're doing it as a group, uh, you know, it's not the best way, but it does work. I'd say about 85% if they've been prepared well and can process it that way. You know, it's just an encounter between them and God in, in that kind of a setting. In, in such cases, you're probably going to have one or two people who feel they couldn't get through it in a group setting. Now you're going to have to sit down with them individually and help them work through the process. Uh, so, you, you know, I, I've had to kind of resort to that uh, because I can't stay around town, you know, so i got to give yeah. an opportunity for people to do that. But uh, the ideal thing is, 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 is in your own personal community, is to have that kind of connection with people and sit down one-on-one with them and say, you know, with your permission, I'd like to lead you through these steps to freedom. Nobody's ever said no, by the way. I've asked the question, would you like to resolve these issues? And nobody's ever said no to this day. And then I always say, with your my your permission then, I'd like to lead. Now, what's going to happen here is not what I do. It's what you do. It's what you yeah. believe. And, uh, and so, you know, Lord willing, God granted them repentance. They walk out free. And they know it. I mean, they're not distantly mature, but now they're firmly rooted in Christ. They know who they are, understand what it means to be a child of God. Now they can move on. But if you haven't dealt with that bitterness, you haven't dealt with that pain, you know, <laughs> God knows all that. And that's the, that's why you got to bring God into this process. If it was me trying to figure out you and be the one that's going to save your life, and I said, forget it. I can't do it. Okay. And, uh, and so I hope every discipler, begins to realize that, that I'm just an instrument in God's hands. And so if you're not totally dependent upon God yourself, the best strategy in the world won't work. If God is in it, almost any will work. (laughs) you got to bring God into the process. That's really good, Neil. Hey, we're going to show a short video on a course for everybody who's joining us who would like to learn more about disciple making. I can announce for the first time about this course that you can actually start it today. Uh, The first four sessions are already um, in the course available for you to go through. So Dave, if you'll show everybody the clip and then we'll come back with a few more last questions for Neil Anderson before we bring the Q&A time to an end. Hey guys, you can have immediate access to all the material from the Holistic Disciple Making Intensives and you can purchase the course for personal use at a time that's best for you. It's called our Holistic Disciple Making Masterclass and Certification. And with it, you get access to all the in-depth discussions in video and in written form, online assessments, and you get discipleship.org's certification. So for more information, please click the tab below. So again, I just want to encourage everybody with that course. It's fantastic material. Uh, I know in my church, we're going to ask all of our staff to go through it. I can't think of better material for everybody to go through to really understand Jesus-style disciple-making. Well, Neil, back to you. We just have time for a couple of more questions. Uh, first one is from guest uh, 5993, uh, and they're talking about evangelism explosion, which used to be something that churches used a lot when new people were coming to the church. Uh, and the question is this. It doesn't seem to occur in churches today. In fact, um, it seems like the idea of equipping the everyday person to help lead people to become disciples of Jesus is kind of missing, uh, at least the way it used to. So the question is why? Why is that the case? 
Well, we've not only lost that. We, you know, back in the heyday, Bobby, when I was younger, we had uh, uh, Bill Bright holding our feet to it. We had Billy Graham. We had others. We had, uh, you know, Kennedy's program. That was all good stuff, and, and it's just gone. I don't see anybody rising. I can't think of one major individual today that's holding their feet to fire in terms of evangelism, and 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 that that's sad. I don't know why that is. I said, if I was in a church, one of the things that's changed, however, uh, in this election today will probably make it even more difficult, is is calling on people that visited your church and doing that kind of evangelism it's become more questionable. I mean, we used to just show up unannounced. And today, I'm not so sure that's as easy to do that. I think mm -hmm. you'd almost have to make appointments uh, because people don't probably want to appreciate that. But, yeah. but it was much more effective in my day because you could call on a person. You know, you visit our church Sunday. We're here to, to welcome you and this kind of thing. I'm not sure you – that's – in certain communities today, that would – be frowned on, I'm, I'm afraid. So I think we've uh, got to be a little more strategic about how we accomplish this, given the light of our culture and the changes in our culture. That's right. Hey, I'm going to give a short answer to that. And then, Neil, I'm going to come back, and uh, I want you to answer um, one last question for us. Uh, and so the question that for you to be aware of is, if you could give any encouragement today in the culture that we are at, What's the first step to get back to being a part of disciple-making? Now, before we get there, I just want to say about the evangelism explosion and the whole concept, I think there's three things going on that I would encourage everybody who's joining with us to prayerfully reflect upon. The first is a lack of sense of clarity about the gospel, and that is that more and more we're in a postmodern culture where the idea that without the gospel of Jesus, people are really lost eternally, and they're heading into a Christless eternity with, without salvation, uh, and the, the horror uh, that somebody would experience that. In the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, knowing what it is to fear the Lord, we persuade uh, men and women to trust and follow Jesus. So there's a lack of urgency about eternal destiny. I think number two, it's what you're saying, Neil. Uh, by way of encouragement, it may not be the cool thing to go to follow up at people's houses, but a lot of churches are still finding ways to reach out and invite people to um, classes at the church. Some call it starting point. Some call it membership. Uh, a lot of what I've noticed, and this is very much uh, my church planting experience, working with church planters, is that uh, a lot of conversions happen when people come to find out more about the church, which leads me to number three, I think that we are back at a period in history where we need to invite people into classes and especially relational groups where they can explore the teachings of Jesus to make those kind of decisions. So it's a little more nuanced. It's not just an up or down decision to commit one's life to Christ. People more so today need time to process but we want to have that urgency for their salvation, invite them to the groups in our church, and for our churches to have clear, crystal clear material that we guide people through in a process where they can evaluate before they commit. So, Neil, back to you. What, uh, what are some final comments that you would have 
for everybody today about some first steps? Well, first step is you, you have to. There's, there's no other route to take. You've got to be firmly rooted in Christ. You've got to be that. Then I think the understanding, you know, the direction ahead of you is uh, nobody on the planet and the devil himself cannot keep us from being the people that God created us to be. I don't care how difficult your situation is. You learn during those times. Trials and tribulations produce, you know, proven character. And so if you keep in mind, you know, my hope lies in that concept of proven character. Here, here's the dilemma. The word of God is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness. Bobby, that is not lived out hardly anywhere. What you actually observe is the word of God is profitable for teaching, training, and competence, but not righteousness. Hmm. And if you want to have righteousness, there needs to be reproof and correction and training in righteousness. What's lost today is our desire to live a holy life, to, to live a righteous yeah. life. And you got to get rid of the garbage in our life in order to accomplish that, right. or you're just going to continue to struggle. And so that whole you know, sense of revival and repentance, it has to begin with our leadership. It has to begin with the church. And, and once God can purify, purify ourselves, then he can work through us. And after that, I find it really is quite easy. But if you're still struggling with anxiety disorders and fear and panic attacks and, and you know, can't stop the lust problem, you're stuck, folks. You're just stuck. I don't care what anybody says. You're stuck. And you've got to have a way. There has to be a way to resolve those conflicts. Yeah. And, and once they are, then the whole growth process is, I mean, you'll suddenly read the Bible and desire to read the Bible. That's good. Well, Neil, thank you so much. And as we close today, would you conclude our time by leading us in a short prayer? Yes, it would. Father God, we thank you for your love. You bring up nations, uh, not just people. And um, I know that you're not surprised, and I fear that we're going to get the leadership that we deserve. And it's a scary thing to us, but Father, it's not going to determine who we are. Nothing can stand against the church, people who are living in a righteous relationship with you. So I'm praying, Father, for revival. I'm praying that there yes. would be a movement to genuine repentance. Yes, God. We know that judgment begins with us, God. So start with me personally. Help me to live a righteous life. Help me yes. get those around us to live a righteous life so that we can be the people that you created us to be. And so, Father, I just pray for all those listening right now. I would pray the same thing Jesus prayed. I ask not that you take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil ones. Sanctify them in thy word. Thy word is truth. And so may truth prevail, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, there you have it. That was Bobby Harrington and the one and only Neil Anderson. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Listen, I wanted to remind you before I sign off here about our National Disciple Making Forum that we're hosting here in Nashville, Tennessee this year. November 4th and 5th, November 4th and 5th. So go to discipleship.org and sign up today and buy your tickets because it's going to be an incredible event. We have speakers like Elisa Childers and Dave Clayton and Ariana Remsen and Jim Putman and more. It's just going to be an awesome time. And I get the pleasure of leading you myself 
in worship. It's going to be an awesome time. So please go to discipleship.org and buy your tickets today. Hope to see you there.